You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. This special edition of Socks in the Basement released a day early, just like every episode of Socks in the Basement is brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Family-owned, female-owned, veteran-owned, a portion of the proceeds going to first responders and veteran organizations handling all of your basement waterproofing needs and your foundation issues. And remember, they can do consultations in person, over the phone, on video. It's free. Check them out if you have any questions about anything that has to do with your foundation, your basement, the area around your home, use that phone number or visit famws.com. Tell them we sent you. They have special deals for Socks in the Basement listeners. Yesterday, I shot a text off to our good friend James Fox. I said, hey, buddy, you're my insider. I want to know what's going on at the winter meetings. They're virtual. I'm sure you've heard something. Figured we'd have him on. We'd chit-chat about possibilities. It would be a solid 30-minute show. In the time that I texted him until this very moment, The White Sox have made two acquisitions, one via trade, one via free agency, and both of them have stirred up an awful lot of opinions. Lance Lynn joins the team via trade. Adam Eaton joins the team on a one-year $7 million contract. The ups and downs, I'm going to tell you right now, James, senior editor of Future Sox, editor of Southside Sox, this team in the last 24 hours has demonstrated to their entire fan base what it feels like to love something, but also not completely trust it because of the way the reactions are with these two moves. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, it, you know, it's better It's better than no moves, right? I mean, everybody sits and waits around wishing that the baseball offseason was more like the NFL or the NBA, and then you get two Sox moves today, and maybe that's not even the final one. You know, it kind of seems like they were getting their ducks in a row to fire off like a bunch of moves here possibly this week. I mean, there, I don't know. There, there's a lot of guys like on the market still. So but it's obviously not the approach that I think some wanted, even myself included, but it kind of is what it is, I think, at this point. All right, so let's take it as, as it went. First, you get the Lynn announcement overnight on Monday night, and it's late in the evening. These are two trade partners between the Sox and the Rangers that are so used to each other. These two GMs seem to have a great relationship with each other. Another year, another deal done during this week, during the winter meetings between the two of them. And we actually simulated this deal with one of the Rangers podcast who had given us a couple of interesting tidbits. First of all, the first thing they asked for that podcast was Dane Dunning for Lance Lynn straight up. That was their first offer as we went and asked what they wanted for Lance Lynn. So it's amazing that's how the deal ends up. I mean, you do add in another prospect, but it's a low-end prospect. And then the other thing that they brought up was that Lynn had told them personally that he wanted to extend. He comes to the White Sox with Tony La Russa, a manager that he has professed his love to. This could be more than just a one-year deal. Your reaction to the deal and the price the White Sox had to pay. It is kind of a lot, but but I think it's fair. I I think people have underrated Lance Lynn a lot. And I don't want to say people have overrated Dane Dunning because look, like the prospect thing is kind of what I do, right? Like I, I heard about, I had, there were some rumblings last night that Dane Dunning 
um, was going to be moved. There were some prospects like in their inner circle, I guess, like talking about how Dunning and even Avery Weems were, were had been traded. And I couldn't really track down the target last night, um, you know, and then I went to bed and woke up to it. But, you know, it's pretty telling. The new pitching coach, Ethan Katz, was on 670 to score last week, and Dane Dunning's the one guy he didn't really mention. Um, you know, I think it's obvious that Michael Kolpak and Dylan Cease are the two guys that he really wants to work with, and they deemed, and they deemed Dane Dunning expendable. Now, you know, Dane Dunning's very safe. He's a back-end top 100 guy. You know, he's probably a number four starter in the big leagues for a long time. I think he was pretty impressive this year. But Dane Dunning is going to be 26 next year. And he's also probably, as I tweeted earlier today, not ready to pitch 170 or 180-plus innings for the White Sox next year. So, like, I think I would rather trade Dane Dunning for a Lance Lynn than one of their recent prep arms because, like, Lance Lynn is taking Dunning's rotation spot anyway. So, you know, if you're going to keep, like, some of those younger guys for future moves down the road, I think that makes sense. I think the Rangers held on for a long time at a return even better than Dane Dunning. And it's Ken Rosenthal, I think, wrote in his piece today that Lance Lynn kind of uh, threatened – to the Rangers that he would like opt out of his deal if they had traded him last year at the deadline. So, you know, it wasn't really a matter of him not wanting to come to the Sox, but now he does because his guy, Tony LaRusso is there. I think absolutely Lance Lynn signs a two or three year extension here with the Sox for decent money, but, but not too much. I think he is, you know, he is from the Indianapolis area. So um, I think, I think Lance Lynn's here and I think he's here for a while. And I think he's their number two starter. I mean, Lance Lynn is a big deal. Like people, people wanted Lance Lynn last year for the playoff run. And it's unfortunate that like, you know, they couldn't get it done then. Um, but now he's a big piece of their rotation and he's basically taking Dane Dunning's spot. So I understand people never want to like lose prospects, but you got to give to get. And I think giving up Dunning who has less upside then Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech makes sense. The other the other part of the deal that's interesting is Avery Weems. Avery Weems is a sixth rounder um, out of Arizona in 2019. He was a he was a senior sign, so he's a ten thousand dollar guy who, who's your typical you know just kind of throwaway guy that you give ten thousand to because they because they drafted so many high school players. And then he got into the White Sox system and he was really good in rookie ball. And the White Sox development staff got their hands on him, and he's got a plus curveball now, and his and his fastball is pretty good. So he was a bad starter at Arizona in college. The White Sox have turned him into a guy that looks like he might pitch in a major league bullpen about a year and a half from now. So, yeah, like you're giving up a potential guy there who was trending towards being a top 30 prospect. But that's like a great use of resources, man, as a six-round pick that you paid $10,000 to out of college, and then your development staff turned him into like a piece in a trade for a number two starter that that's how it's done like that's that that's perfect there and he'll get an opportunity now in texas to to go there and pitch and and develop into a a relief pitcher for texas down the road that's really interesting what you say there at the end about weems because you're right i remember the conversation we had going into that draft and then analyzing it afterwards i remember you talking about that where the Sox went and spent money to go get prep arms that they wanted to go and get and then you have this extra money, like you're, you're just getting guys on the cheap. You, you're lucky if you could turn the guy into something. The fact that developmental staff is able to give him a pitch that adds to his arsenal and turn him into enough to throw him into this deal. I, I've seen Ranger 
reaction to this trade. They're excited about Weems and White Sox fans are just learning his name, the majority of them today. And we're totally fine with this. You, you have to break some eggs to make an omelet. Lance Lynn, with the exception of his 2018 season where he split time between Minnesota and the New York Yankees, has been a guy who generally has a very low whip. He doesn't put a lot of people on base. He's had two of his better seasons throughout his entire career over the past two seasons in 2019 and 2020. He has aged like a fine wine. He's been in the Cy Young running fifth place two years ago, sixth place this past season. And the White Sox, like you said, I believe the same thing. Dallas Keuchel's your three because Lance Lynn just slid into the number two spot And that's something that I wanted. Would I have preferred, though, that they go out and they sign a Trevor Bauer? Would I have preferred that they didn't have to trade anybody away and they would have spent money? Yes, I would have. So is the fact that the White Sox went out and grabbed up Lance Lynn in a trade an indication, and I think he's only about $9 million, that there's only so much money to spend here this offseason that we aren't going to break the bank as much as White Sox fans want the Sox to go out and spend this year? I think so. I mean, I, you know, I brought up George Springer and, you know, I, I totally believe what I reported with you weeks ago. They made a run at George Springer, but I think it was, here's your four-year deal for 90-some million dollars. How interested are you? Sign it right now, right? And then Jeff Passan came out and basically said the White Sox aren't interested in paying center field prices for a right fielder. And people scoffed at that and they're very angry. And like, look, like I get it a little bit. Like, you know, George Springer wants to be the leadoff guy and he wants to play center field. And he's probably going to go back to his roots in the East Coast and play for the Mets, and that's fine. Like, I would love George Springer on the White Sox, but George Springer is a luxury item that the White Sox don't need. Like, as much as I want the White Sox to have, like, a $200 million payroll and be this, like, top five to six, like, spending team, like, under Jerry Reinsdorf, like, that's just never going to happen. So, you know, if they were told, like, yeah, you got $30, $35 million to spend and they're going to prioritize it here, um, then, then yeah, even patching this thing together s- still could win them the American League. That's how good their team is, right? So pe- people talk about like bargain bin shopping. I don't, I don't really think that's fair. I don't think it's bargain bin shopping. Um, but they, they do need to get more bang for their buck than they've gotten in the past. That's one of the criticisms of Rick Hahn is that like he does these one year deals, and everybody talks about how. Like there's no bad one-year deals, which I generally agree with, but most of them don't pan out. So if you're going to operate this way, the moves do have to start panning out at some point. But yeah, like I'm expecting a few more additions, possibly even like a couple more this week. You think they're just going to, they're, they're trying to cinch this up as early as they possibly can. Like, you know, fill the positions that need to be filled before the market possibly gets out of control and kind of aim for guys that aren't at the top of everybody else's list. Yeah, so I think Jose Quintana coming back makes a lot of sense. Like, he's a name that I've heard, and I don't think anybody would be, like, super upset about Jose Quintana coming back. Like, he was a favorite here. Um, And then one other name that's interesting that one of my colleagues at Future Sox commented on earlier is Mel Rojas Jr. He, you know, he was a former Pirates prospect that went to the KBO. He hit, like, 47 homers last year. He has, like, 130 homers the last, like, four years in the KBO. And, like, would he do that here? No, probably not. But he's a switch hitter, big lefty power bat. So if you add him, too, like, into your outfield mix, and then he DHs, you know, against righties to start the year, he's not going to be that expensive. He played down at Wabash College, I think, um, as an amateur. So I think he he's, like, another option here. 
as like another way to like patch this offense together until Andrew Vaughn is, is ready to come up. Um, and then, you know, a guy like Jose Quintana. And then, look, don't be surprised if they spend fairly big money on a closer, right? If Liam Hendricks is your big free agent signing, that would be a move, right? But I do also think that there's some thought that if you wait on the bullpen and let it sort out, that you could do it that way too because there's just so many guys on this flooded market right now that you you know you could you could wait and do the bullpen and get and get two arms down there and I think at that point I think you trust Ethan Katz and the rest of your development team. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. We've had guests on recently that have talked about the idea that the Sox is not necessarily who they put in there, just try to find some consistency. And so maybe that's what the White Sox are doing with a payroll that was not as big as we all hoped that it would be. There is a little bit of disappointment, though, that goes along with that, I think, for every White Sox fan who thought to themselves, this team should go out and get George Springer or Trevor Bauer. This team should go out and get themselves a couple of frontline starters in there. And, and now we're talking, eh, maybe Quintana gets added into Lynn. So there is going to be a little bit of disappointment, but nothing comes near the disappointment. I'm going to tell you, I loved the Lynn move. I actually like that move. I, I'm not that upset about Dane Dunning moving on. Sometimes you got to make a move to go get yourself a quality starter. And I do think like you do that they're going to be able to extend him. But I did not like Adam Eaton signing for one year and $7 million dollars. Not only because of the fact that the man has slowly, slowly dropped off over the last couple of years. You can sit there and say shortened season last year. You can't discount that. And I'm fine. You want to discount it, shortened season, whatever. But there's a, there is a trend there, and there is a history with this team. We're talking about a guy who thought that a kid was the team leader. And there's a visceral reaction from White Sox fans, including myself, who are, are shocked by the Adam Eaton move. Take me through this, James, and maybe talk me off the ledge. Well, I don't know if I can talk you off the ledge because it really doesn't make that much sense. I mean, but I was told a month ago by a very smart person that I trust, and I can't give you the name, obviously, but that Kenny Williams was looking to add an edge to the 2021 team. And obviously, like, um, it was probably more than a month ago because this was even before they hired Borussia, right? Like, Kenny, Kenny wanted that edge again, that fire on this team. Well, I think Lance Lynn and Adam Eaton probably provide that a little bit. So, you know, even some of the prominent beat writers over the past couple of days, other than, you know, over at NBC Sports Chicago, they had questioned whether Adam Eaton was honestly a fit because of how bad it ended in 2016. I mean, what we saw on the outside, they lived with on the inside. And like Adam Eaton was, was, a, was a pretty big, was a pretty big clubhouse 
problem. Now, I think Todd Frazier was also a clubhouse problem, and, you know, there was a lot of other guys in that mix. So, like, maybe Adam Eaton's grown up a little bit. The problem with me is, like, he 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 wasn't that good last year, and he's been declining. Now, my guess is I thought Jack Peterson was perfect. If they think that Jack Peterson strikes out too much in this lineup, I understand. Like, if you think Adam Eaton fits better at the bottom of the lineup because he's going to make a more contact, um, he gets on base more than a lot of these guys, and they don't think his defense is as bad as it's you know as it maybe has been in right field, and that's your right field platoon with angle for a year, and then you go back shopping again for right field, or you sign Oscar Colas, and he's your right fielder in 2022 or whatever. I don't know. Adam Eaton seems like a move that you make like after you miss out on your target, and then you know you sign Adam Eaton in January, but apparently he had interest, so. Look, I was a big fan of Adam Eaton, the player, when he was here. I thought he was great. I thought he was super underrated, and he showed how valuable the rest of the league thought he was when you got Lucas Giolito, Dane Dunning, and uh, and Ronaldo Lopez for him. But, yeah, I mean, I think people people have the right to question this one. This, one. this one's a little bit weird, and the fact that they did it this soon is strange. Now, on the other hand, you know, I've, I've praised – some of the changes to pro scouting, right? With Nick Hostetler and with Ben Hansen, who's their new biomechanical engineer, who for all intents and purposes is doing a lot of this pro scouting stuff with data. So look, there's something where they think Adam Eaton can help them. We'll see. Does it make them a little bit more unlikable? Yeah, maybe, but like, I don't have to hang out in the clubhouse with Adam Eaton. Like some of the indignation over fans, like, you know, because they like signed an asshole is, a little bit surprising just because, you know, like maybe, maybe he is a bag, but we don't have to hang out with him. So win baseball games. That, that is true. And, and I get that. I guess my biggest concern is that he, is he so much of a jag that he's going to get upset the first time Luis Robert cuts him off in the outfield like he does with Aloy Jimenez, or he's going to expect that he should be the leadoff hitter when we have Tim Anderson, a uh, guy who competes every year for the batting title. Like, is he going to understand his place? Cause you have to think he left this team as a major piece that we were able to get back so much for. And now he's an add-on to a completely different team, but it's the same uniform. And that's what I worry about with him. That's my biggest fear. I'm also shocked that, I mean, here's a guy who basically thumbed his nose at Kenny Williams saying that he was wrong about his whole policy with don't let this kid into the dugout. And Kenny Williams is like, yeah, that's the kind of attitude I want back in my clubhouse. I, it's it's mind boggling to me. I just, I, I can't wrap my brain around it. Yeah, no, it's it's really strange. And you would think that they've done some recon, right? You would hope. I mean, last year when Yassiel Puig was a thing, they met with him at the winter meetings, and, you know, I had heard that Kenny liked him, but, you know, they talked to the other players, and it was like, meh, don't need him. So, like, there's all sorts of stuff with Abreu and Puig. Like, I feel like if the team wanted Puig, Puig would be here, and he's not. So, like, take that for what it is. So, I mean, you would think that they asked the players, like, hey, what do you think about Adam Eaton? But... I, I definitely think that Adam Eaton's a Tony LaRusa type player for sure, right? I mean that that, that they they're probably gonna get along great, I would think. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> Supposedly he already hung up on a radio interview when somebody asked him a question about Tony LaRusa on his first interview back in Chicago media. Yeah, but that was ESPN one thousand, so it's okay. <laughs> Hey, honey, what's this? Village Batch, handcrafted Greek goods. Three brothers, Southside-born, diehard White Sox fans, and they sent us a box of goodies. Ooh, what's that? Organic extra virgin olive oil. 
Oh, what's that over there? Raw organic honey. There's also balsamic vinegar, olives, sea salt flakes, organic dried herbs you can use in any of your recipes. These guys are great. All of their products are sourced directly from small scale family farms in the Arcadia region of Greece. They pay a premium for the crop, package, import, and self-distribute the products. And by doing that, they get a very fresh premium product without breaking the bank. And you're gonna love the olive oil. They don't filter it. That means more flavor. That means it has more health benefits. This sounds great. Where do we get more? They're at Pete's Fresh Market, Mariano's, over at County Fair Foods on Western. Now get 25% off all online orders using the promo code BASEMENT at villagebatch.com. But hey, what about, like, Lance Lynn's going to be, like, a huge favorite for people, right? I mean, that, he is a big, fat fatty, my friend. Like, people are going to love Lance Lynn. Like, they should, they should, like, get a, once we're allowed, like, to gather again, right, they should have, like, a concession stand named after him out there. Oh, there should be the Lance Lynn Burger or something. I mean, they have, it'd something, be, like, something. five patties. Like, they got to, there, there's, it, right now, Brooks Boyer is in heaven with the Lance Lynn signing, I would think. You know, he's also saying, like, try to find, like, the best clip of Adam Eaton and bury it somewhere in there. But, you know, I thought this was interesting. James, I'm going to put on my conspiracy hat, okay? And because and, and, I, I know you love this when I do this with you. And sometimes we have these conversations in private. But I, I just got to say it, okay? So you're dealing with a, a team like the Rangers, who the two GMs know each other very well. And they probably have been discussing Lynn to a point. And you have a free agent in Eaton that the White Sox know very well and probably had conversations with in the week leading up. So then what happens is Jeff Passan, who seems to be a guy who gets some of his information from Rick Hahn. Like we talked about this a little bit uh, on this show when, when Tony LaRussa gets hired and Passan's the one who comes out with not everybody's really happy. And a lot of people assume that, that he's one of, he's one of Hahn's guys. So there's no way of proving it, but a lot of people think that. All right. So first Passon softens the blow by telling you all um, they're not going to spend a lot of money, which is probably pushed to him from Han. Then all of a sudden the corporate podcast comes out with this out of the blue, the White Sox should sign Adam Eaton thing that they push for 48 hours. Then Lance Lynn, that deal's completed for the, for the happiness. And then in the morning when most people are at work, oh, by the way, we signed Adam Eaton, Eaton for a year. It, this was like the most messaged last 48 hours that I've ever seen with a team that seems very aware of what their fan base feels, but they had to break to them. We're not spending a lot of money. And by the way, we're bringing back a guy you might not like very much. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's pretty obvious for some of it, but did you see the Jeff Passant? Like, did you see where Jeff Passant got the deal from last night? No. Um, it was from not, not Steve Ciszek that like uh, that burner account that everybody likes to discredit that has actually had some stuff in the past. So apparently not Steve Ciszek, this account, right, sends a DM to Jeff Passan because Jeff Passan's DMs are open, and it says Dunning is Dane Dunning's being traded. And, you know, in this, like, whatever, Jeff Passan responds, and he's like, oh, to who? Like, give me something, whatever, right? And then Jeff Passan breaks the trade, like, a few minutes later, I guess. And not Steve Ciszek, like, took a screenshot of the DM with Jeff Passan to kind of, like, dunk on his critics or whatever, you know? And people accused him of, of uh, photoshopping it. And then Jeff Passan said, oh, no, like he like confirmed that like that's what happened last night. So, look, I don't know who not Steve Ciszek is, um, but he has somebody somewhere that he knows because, look, I had Dane Dunning information last night, too. But 
with what I do at Future Sox, like I'm not about to like possibly shatter the dreams of like some minor league players that I've covered, you know, like that, that was like an area for me to like tread lightly. Like I dug a little bit, but I would never like, Oh yeah. Dane Dunning and Avery Weems are about to get dealt for somebody like, sorry kids. Like I just, I don't do that. Like I'll let somebody else do it if they can break it. But clearly like people had information last night and it got shared with Passin to tip off Passin. And then I'm sure Passin went to the agent side, to the Lance Lynn side and broke it on his own. But that was like the first initial crumb that like somebody had. Yeah. And that's really interesting. We talked about it a few episodes ago that some of these little known accounts, it's almost like they're just burner accounts for people that are inside the organization or very, very close to them. I have a source that would be like, if I revealed it, you'd be like, wow, what a weird source. But I get heads up on things all the time from one of the most unlikely sources that's around the club because that person just hears everything and they knew about La Russa. They've been nailing things left and right. They knew about cats. They were on top of like several deals that happened over the last month or so. It's weird. The people that actually have the information lately, lately, James, I've been watching, I've been binging on Netflix, the, uh, the, the old revolutionary war, uh, TV show turn about uh, George Washington's spies. And it's like the weirdest people are the spies. And the way that they get their information is like these people, these conversations happen in like a hallway. And the White Sox are like that. I think they just have their conversations in a hallway. So they're very much like that. And they like, you know, they like being secretive and breaking their own stories, but they're so like, you know, parts of the organization leave stuff out in the open. And there's been so many times when I've gotten stuff, right. Just secondhand from somebody who works there because like stuff was like left in a boardroom or something, you know, and then I do a little bit further research and reach out to some contacts that I've made over the years and like confirm stuff, you know, I mean, look, you're talking to the guy that broke the Yohan Moncada and Luis Robert signings. And like, I definitely didn't get that from a high ranking White Sox official. Right. So (laughs) look, like, some of that stuff like leaves the group chat far too often, you know, when you have, you know, certain guys breaking stories and Katie Perry's booty hole from years ago or whatever. So look, man, I mean that you're, you're right there with like passing is typically on the Han side of things. Ken Rosenthal is a notorious Ken Williams, like buddy, obviously, and you know where our friend at the USA Today lies. Yeah, so, Bob Nightingale you know, and, and Jerry Reinsdorf, man, they exchange uh, they exchange cards with every holiday. Well, and that's where you saw early today, you know, Bob Nightingale tweeted out like, oh, yeah, the White Sox, like right field's probably next. Jock Peterson, Michael Brantley, and Adam Eaton. Jock Peterson and Michael Brantley have the same agent as George Springer, which is where I think some of this stuff maybe was all lost in translation a little bit, right? Like, oh, Han's talking to this agent. It's for Springer. Well, maybe it's for Jock. Or maybe Jock Peterson's going to get a three-year deal somewhere else, and the Sox only wanted to commit one year. I mean, it's one year for Eaton with an option. Uh, Are the White Sox signing Oscar Colas, and is he the right fielder? And that's why it's a one-year deal for Eaton. I mean, in every Instagram post, the man is wearing... Uh, uh, something that says White Sox on it. Uh, I get things sent to me that are translated from Spanish because I, I don't speak Spanish where people will sit there and say, you can run this through Google's translator. This is me and, and Oscar having a side conversation. And he's like, can't wait to join the team the moment that I can sign. 
There, there's so many indications that this guy might be going there and he could be the right field option. Is that why it's we just need something for this year because we have a plan for next year already? I mean, yeah, I think it's I think it's possible. Now, the, the Colas thing is weird, and we've talked about it in the past. Like, Oscar Colas and Yoelkis Cespedes are the two big names out there. So I've actually heard from people that the Sox feel confident that they were signing Cespedes. But now Colas is available. And Oscar Colas is represented by this guy, Alex Cotto. And he's the same agent as Yoan Moncada and Norhe Vera, who's another, like, right-handed pitching Cuban 20-year-old signing that they're going to have in January. So, yeah, I mean, look, people think the White Sox are the favorites for Oscar Colas. I wouldn't be surprised if he does, like, a showcase still, you know, at some point here when he can. He can sign January 15th. He, you know, he's a left-handed bat. He's trimmed down a lot, so he probably is going to play an outfield corner. But, I mean, he's, he's not, like, this guy that's going to, like, come over and help, like, immediately. Like, I think he needs some minor league time. So, I don't know. Like, you know, do the White Sox get him? I guess if, like, you, like, put a gun to my head and made me choose, I'd say yes. But, like, you know, they have, like, two, a little bit over $2 million to spend on the international market in January. And I don't think they can get Colas and Cespedes. And Colas is a left-handed bat that makes more sense for like what the organization needs than Cespedes. But I've heard they felt comfortable on Cespedes. James Fox, Future Sox, Southside Sox. I love whenever you come on. It's very insightful. You always know what you're talking about. I love just the the insider stuff and just the the fun conversation. I I also was concerned coming into this that the White Sox basically have added the same amount of payroll that they let go of with what Carlos Rodan, Nomar Mazzara, and Yomer Sanchez would have gotten this year if they would have just kept those guys around. So I was afraid we weren't spending anything. You still believe moves are coming probably sooner rather than later and maybe even a big closer. So at least there's something there that I can hold on to and look forward to. Yeah, I do think they're, I think they're going to make a few more moves. And look, everybody's not going to be happy, obviously, because it's not George Springer and it's probably not Trevor Bauer, but you know, they do they do keep flexibility going into the future. They get out of this without trading most of their prospects away. They obviously moved Dane Dunning. And then and you you go into the year as American League Central favorites, I think, definitely. And even like you could make the case that they're the best team in the American League, even without additions, I think. I mean, yeah, I think I, I think it's I think it's exciting. I think they've given you some, you know, reasons to be exciting excited, but they've also done some stuff that have made people shake their head here, you know, including the Adam Eaton move. I'll tell you what, I got my 60 year old father has never like been a season ticket holder before. And he came over to see my kid yesterday and fricking Tony LaRusso has got him buying season tickets. So, you know, maybe Jerry, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Jerry's not that far off. Well, listen, good news, James, during the time that we recorded this show, the burner account L's Christmas beef that is a cheesy beef sandwich with a Santa hat on it, reached 400 followers and states that the White Sox have made Liam Hendricks their top priority. So the way that things have been breaking this week, Liam Hendricks, come on down. Yeah, he got into the Rick Hahn, Jeremy Haber group chat somehow. Something happened. <laughs> something, something sitting on a, like maybe, maybe it just says Liam Hendricks, like circled in a boardroom at 35th and Shield somewhere. <laughs> James Fox, thanks a lot, bud. We'll talk soon. All right, man, we'll see you. Socks in the basement back on Saturday. We will see you soon. By then, who knows what's going to happen? You can listen to it, though, anywhere podcasts can be found. And always, 
It's SocksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.